Welcome to the True Wealth Investors Podcast, a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income, lifestyle, and impact. All right, welcome everybody. Today we have back in the house for another interview, David Rathke. And uh, you may have heard him in one of the earliest episodes. I think it was episode 12, 13, where you talked about uh, your first flip deal. And so he is back to talk about his latest flip deal. And the numbers are awesome. I know you're going to get a lot of good ideas and be inspired. So welcome back, Dave. Appreciate appreciate you being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. So walk us through. This was kind of, I wouldn't say it was the big, bigger construction project, but it was still a very, uh, what, hands-on, big rehab, uh, big project, right? This wasn't For sure. paint and carpet flip. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I guess before we get into the details, what's the big picture? Um, what did you buy it for? What you know, how involved was the rehab? Were you putting a second story on or anything? And then what was the sale price before we dive into the details? Okay, so we bought it two weeks into COVID. So it was kind of looking like uh, this is, it's, and it was um, like a lot of moving parts. It was about four and a half minutes away from my house. So there were just like some really great things. And we, I've got two kids, uh, two children, my wife and I, and uh, we, we knew we'd probably be getting into some NTI or non-traditional instruction or distance learning, whatever you want to refer to it as. So it felt like this could be, and if I sit at home for a long period of time, I might go crazy. So it was either just take a lot of walks and get out of the house or kind of create this like space. So it was kind of like therapy too during this period. So house is four and a half minutes away. Um, it, it didn't originally look like it needed a huge amount of work which when you're dealing with a house that's over 120 years old, it kind of, um, you see it through layers as you're working on it, right? You can like project so much and you can say, this is, you know, I think originally I said it was going to be about 80,000 on the low end, 110,000 on the high end for a rehab. And it would take maybe three months. And I was like, no, maybe four to five months. So as we got into it, it took longer. It took 10 months. I put more time into it. But I also did a lot more of the work and I was there for, I, I still worked with about 16 to 17 different contractors doing some of the other stuff, but I was still on site for a big chunk of time. But it was also therapeutic because I could be there safe and um, right. didn't bring in all the workers at once. So the numbers, I think we bought it at 155,000. Um, I think that's right. And then we we said we were going to put 80 to 110 in it. I ended up putting about 112 in it. We listed it for 419. I wanted to list it for 434 because our inventory is super low, like 20 year low with everything going on right here in Louisville in that area. And we sold it for 409.5. We actually had somebody come back. They wanted to buy it. They said pitched it really low for 385,000 after about four days in. And we said the house that sold for about 270000 back in 2007. So we just kind of like said, based on a 3.5% appreciation over 13, 14 years, and ended up just looked like 430000 And that's not, that was just like a really? kind of a baseline. Yeah. So, so and, the, the flip that you talked about the last time you were on here, that was 
in in actuality like a speculative build right there weren't other too many other houses in that neighborhood like that oh that first, the one i refer to as hall street or something yeah yeah, yeah. no you, there weren't yeah they, yeah so you were and putting so a second story the square footage was totally different the build yeah. out was totally different than the neighborhood and so you yes. were generating that high price so this one the house in the end was still like the other neighborhood houses mm, no average no. sale price in that house is 260,000 so back the 270,000 price that is sold out right before the recession or 2008 or something then was a super high price it then went into foreclosure uh, like two years later or something and I, I don't remember what it was exactly but it sold for like 150,000 and then they started renting it and then it became like just really broken down. It had all the old wood siding on it. At one point they tried to rip, maybe at the, the point when they rehabbed it back in 2007, they had just ripped off um, some of the really weathered side of the wood and tried to replace it, but they did a really poor job. So it was still, this was quite a jump for that neighborhood still. I okay. think they, there was a house that sold right next to it that was only 800 square feet and it sold for about uh, $198 a square foot, which was really high. And that was about five months before we put ours on the market. And I think we got around 228 to $232 a square foot, which is real similar to that original one where we built the extra story and stuff like that. But this had its own issues. We tore out all the floor. Um, they had taken, there was a leak, a water leak, and we didn't know where it was really coming from. We thought it was the gutters and from because they had no gutters on the building and there was some water damage coming through the ceiling. We, as we tore out some of the walls to bring it back to the studs at some points, we found the old um, where they had the gray water, the waistline for the bathroom, and it hadn't been sealed in two places. The plumber had never um, yeah, sealed it. So that's, that's where the water was coming from. And that's like 20 years, right? Yeah. <laughs> years. So then we had to get into floor joist and then we had to like replace floor back to the, I thought originally I'd refinish some of the old floors on the first floor. We ended up just putting new floor in. Um, I thought the, they just replaced the roof the year before, like before we had bought it, it was a brand new roof and it looked good, but it looked a little strange. So it sent somebody up there and he said that there was actually three layers of tile and um, of roofing tile and one layer of the original metal roof. So I was like, I gotta like tear it all down, even though it was a new roof and put up a new roof. So then, you know, that's when I, I jumped from 80,000 to now, now I added another 6,000, right? And then, yeah. and then we're like, oh, the HVAC system was only three years old, but they, they ran it really poorly and it was collecting a lot of dust in the A coil and it wasn't get it, it wasn't sufficient. So we had to change our conditioning in the A-coil, which is like another $3,800, but like unexpected things, but it wasn't like we were just jumping into it. We were making decisions to do it as we were doing it to move forward with the budget. I think overall the project went well. We did a bunch of weird like things that I wouldn't have expected. It was in a historic area. So we tore up all the front, the wood on the front had to, it was like this, we had to comply with the historic area. And so I custom routed a bunch of wood siding, beveled wood siding. So I priced it out beforehand, knew I was going to do this and bought it through Menards and sent it to somebody and custom routed it and then put some non-structural OSB on the front, house wrapped it, insulated it from the outside because I kept some of the plaster walls on the inside, on the exterior walls. Um, then put non-structural OSB, which is like quarter inch OSB because I needed to maintain the structural, the architectural integrity 
of the depth of the trim to the the facade, and then we put that like crazy wood siding had got scaffolding for the guys, and they just like stainless steel nails hand nailed it all. It was like <laughs> pretty intense. And then we redid <laughs> wow. all the scalloped edges above these windows. It took a day apiece, and I had like made a schedule for it, so just like sizes and how to place it and everything. And the guys, even two guys, each window took a day, and there were three of them. So it got real expensive real fast, that part. Yeah. So you put, just like rough numbers, you bought it for 155 you put yeah. 112 in. <clears throat> Roughly, yeah. So you're in all in at 270 somewhere around there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then sold for 409 Right. So yeah, that's a good deal. So yeah. I'm sure plenty of people would love those numbers, right? So let's let's just walk through the process. How did you find the deal? How did you fund the deal? What all you know? What were sure some of the, the process with the rehab and then yeah? So how did you find this deal? We I actually there was a house in downtown. I was. I decided I just needed a house to start working on before COVID, right? Like I didn't even know what was going to happen. It was in January, I think, maybe February. And I saw a house listed through a, a real estate agent. And I was like, okay, it's a downtown, it's a house in downtown Louisville. It's like old brick. It's still a historic area, but maybe it could be a good Airbnb. Maybe I'll just go take a look at it. And as I looked at it, um, or I tried to look at it, I felt that that real estate agent was just using it. He said it was no longer available. And I went and already looked at the house and talked to the neighbor and I knew that it was his. So I just parallel tracks. I was talking to him, but at the same time, looking at the house anyways, yeah. not setting up an appointment. And so then I kind of said, well, this is your house, right? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. So I felt like he was kind of using that to pick up new clients to show other houses, which is okay. But I was kind of like, all right, understood. Um, kind of person I was working with at that point. So went and looked at a couple of houses that he had shown me and they were really beat up. I mean, floors were just real crazy. And he's like, this is a good deal. And I was like, okay, here we go again. <laughs> Everybody's always telling you it's a great deal. It's going to be a $10,000 fix up. Right. But it's like, you have to decide if it works for you. Is it really like, what does is a good deal mean? I need a roof over my head. Sure. But I want to have my family in the house. No. Um, so I went through that for about 10 days with, 10 to 15 days and he and maybe during that relationship i was refining more so what i was looking for so he knew kind of how to what to show me as well but he eventually found a, a house that had been um an expired listing on the mls and it, when you saw it it was just had holes in the front and it, it just looked really rough um so i could see how that happened and i think they went from like listing it for 220 to 180 and they were stuck on 180 and he said you could get it for 150. so i was kind of excited that it was close by um COVID was happening um i had to figure out i kind of had my uh, brother-in-law and sister in the background and they wanted to get into an investment and so they had some money and I was like, well, and I was talking to you at the same time. And I was like, well, Chad talks about his program where he, um, you can work with other people, use their money and fund the project. And I wouldn't have any 
money back in the project. I wouldn't need to have my own money in it. In this case, I would just put my own time into it. So all these moving parts kind of came together and we were able to I borrow uh, that money, shift it to a self-directed IRA, like kind of back to some of your philosophies with how to um, yeah, work with lenders. Of course. Yeah. How to, then, yeah, how to get money from private lenders. Yeah. 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 And do that and borrow it at 10%. And I had a relationship at this point with uh, River City Bank, which is super close, and they work with investors. And I was able to borrow the rest of the money from them for, I think, uh, as a construction loan at 5.5%. So I put together a budget based on what I thought. The budget just kind of highlights the base amount of money that you need to work within. It doesn't have to be so detailed and refined when you're working with a bank. I mean, it should be it's a summary right and they came through and said great we can do that uh, interest only and so i could i've held the money up to a year and a half i only had to hold it for about 10 months with them so that's okay. how i got the money so you found it it was listed but the listing had expired is that yeah. right mm -hmm. okay so a real the agent who introduced me to those folks said it was 180 but he thinks i can get it for 150. They also do flips and stuff. So if I think I would've got much lower, um, he said they would probably just flip it themselves. So okay. I, I went and looked at it and was gonna go try to get another 20,000 off of it just because there were some structural things going on in the back. Like they had a, what they turned into a four season room used to be an old patio back in the day. And it was like on the ground. So I had to build a, um, uh, what is it, a footer and foundation, so it didn't have ground contact, which isn't a couple thousand dollars, but, you know, just some structural stuff. It was kind of settling a little awkwardly. Yeah. And so, I mean, that that's pretty awesome because a lot of people think you have to talk directly to the seller and do all this marketing to find a really great deal. So the fact that it was listed um, and really just wasn't recognized by anybody else, uh, that's pretty good. And then your funding, so you had, so the bank loan did the purchase price and some of the rehab, and then you had private money for the remainder of the rehab. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. And if I needed any, and when you work with a bank like that, you kind of say, let's say they have $45,000 more that they're holding on to for you. Then you kind of say, HVAC complete, did this. I would send a text. Uh, the loan officer would look at it. He had the there was a box on it he'd go physically look to see if the work was done and then you'd release like i say twenty two thousand dollars and i'd take a picture of a kind of like a ledger that i created on an excel sheet just real basic but it showed who it i also have a checking account with that bank right so they're mm -hmm. seeing they're able to vet everything they're able to say i said check one zero five fours for eighteen thousand and then they kind of go look at it if he wants to i mean it's yeah. just very transparent i guess i forget that that probably helped the relationship too, that I was holding all the money in their account. They could see it all if they needed to during the process. So you had to have the money for the rehab and then they would reimburse you for those expenses essentially? That's how I worked it because I like to hold about ten to $20,000 in the account so that I can pay people right away. They would always turn the money over within like 12 hours and just fund the account if I needed it. So you don't have to work that way, right? I could be cutting checks or say I needed the money and then they would push it forward to me. But I just prefer to have people paid for and then go collect the money back from the bank because I don't know if he goes on vacation or if his, if 
one of his kids gets sick and he can't respond immediately back, you know, I can't have people that I've promised money right. <laughs> waiting for that money. It just gives me more control. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. But you don't have to work that way. It just, just makes a money move. So. Well, and a lot of contractors need paid right away or, or want sure. paid immediately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they want to be paid before they do the work. Let's be yeah. honest. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's when they want to be paid. Of course. <laughs> work is secondary. Yeah, I did. So I had some of that too. I had people who had worked for me in the past and they were just like, did an awesome job. And they'd just done a job because I had that commercial property that we had just done some work on. So we had a guy who do did some trim stuff and some painting. And then he came over to my job and he's like, no, 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 we'll just spray it all in one day. I was like, no, you can't just spray it all one day. I need you to do the ceiling so I can finish the electric. So then you can go back and do the walls and then do the tape it off and do the trim, right? Which is kind of how a real painter would do it. But he was subcontracting the painter and trying to make money off it. So he's trying to get him to come in and spray everything in one day. So once he sprayed the ceilings, he had spent way too much money back into his budget and he wasn't going to make money on the other part of the budget. So the next day when the painters came through, they're like, so are you paying us or is he paying us? And I was like, wait, suddenly you're working for me directly. I was like, I'm so confused. So then I had to hire new painters and oh, it was lovely. <laughs> Part of the process, huh? Part of the process for sure. Yeah. So were there any major, I mean, a rehab that is 112,000 and you put a lot of, of your own sweat equity in as a major rehab mm. or there or there big things that you discovered in that process or was it more a matter of just having to replace everything and, and do it to a historical level so inside you didn't have to really do that right it was just the facade they were super concerned about the facade and we right. have like here a lot of box gutters and there were box gutters on this building. And I, I knew up front I couldn't afford to replace those because those could be for anywhere from $110 to $220 a linear foot to replace because you're replacing with copper, but then usually there's a lot of wood damage. So that's what these folks who like do that kind of work on like $1.1 million, like those really historic houses around here, they charge okay. those folks that. So when I have that little house, doesn't matter. They're still going to try to charge me that. So we had to... I had to talk to the historic folks and be like, um, I wouldn't have purchased it if I had to do that, right? Because that would have been like fifteen to seventeen thousand dollars. And I was like, I need like the four thousand dollars solution, so I can bring framers in. They put plywood over it, and then add a gutter board. We wrap the gutter board in metal, redo the whole roof also, and then just have like a six-inch gutter up on top of it. Um, okay. So I guess those are, so. I mean, we figured that out before and then the historic folks were actually really awesome to work with. They were just kind of like, you know, we don't want that really expensive gutter. We, we need this to be maintainable because we want to maintain the neighborhood, right? So that was kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, there were a lot, I don't know. It was just a different challenges. The historic thing on the inside, I could do whatever, right? So we tore out a wall, we opened up the space. Um, I think one of the things that I did, I wanted to maintain some of the wood and trim around the windows and things like that, but I also tore off the drywall. So then you've got this like weird thing where you're trying to drywall back up the trim that you haven't taken off and it gets a little sloppier. And in the future, I would just rip off all the old trim and scrap it and just put one by material and, and okay. do a new trim out. So just trying to work through some like those, like it's minor, it's, but it's like an aesthetic thing that I would kind of be into, you know? Like just trying to focus on some tight details and what to do. And you have all that old wood that's been painted over, like 
for the last 120 years. And so it gets like really textural. And I'm kind of like, some people dig it, some people don't. And I've found that I was probably one of the people that kind of enjoy it, but kind of don't. You know, so <laughs> if I do another one, I would just tear off all that trim because I feel like I had to make too many decisions. Like, in, or I had to create too many ways to rewrap something or cut wood out in order to retrim it out. It took a lot of time. It could take hours. <clears throat> so, was there a lot of, you know, with a building that old, was there like the original trim and then trim that had been done 40 For years sure. ago <laughs> yeah. and then trim that had been done 10 years ago? Layers of history. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. nice way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So they had, put these oak floors back to these maple floors in this one room. And I was like, oh, they look okay. And my framer kind of jumps on. He's like, I don't know, man. It feels real spongy, like the floor joists. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I probably have to take that off. So then we found the water damage through the plumbing. Uh, and then we were kind of like, okay. So I ended up taking off like four or five layers of flooring there. And there was about an inch and a half to two inch difference back to the baseboard. <laughs> so, and it took a ton of time. And there was some, you know, dirty tile and stuff like that. And then you just like, okay, now I'm trying to match my subfloor back to this old wood floor. Although old wood floor is like an inch thick, but it's not a true inch. It's like seven eighths inch. So then I have to try to buy subfloor to match back to it because the whole thing was I did all this work to get rid of those transitions and those bubbles. Uh, so now the last thing I really want <clears throat> with a house that I'm gonna it's gonna price out of four hundred thousand is like a big bump out, right? So I want it yeah. smooth, and I'm kind of like silly like that so i was like okay so i have to buy the three eighth inch material with the five eighth inch material do two layers of subfloors which equals an inch but it's true it's not you know it, it really equals about seven eighths of an inch so yeah i don't know yes All right. that ended up taking a ton of work <laughs> we raised ceilings and stuff like that um we had all the mechanicals above it the people that did the renovation in 2007 they had mixed up the supplies and their the, the supplies and the returns so they had just uh return air and a lot of the upstairs um bathrooms and stuff like that wow so like you know you want your supply in your bathroom anything that happens in that bathroom is being pulled in back through your furnace system and shot everywhere else so that was kind of yeah. it was a lot it's an issue yeah, yeah it could be so when you listed it, you listed it at 420, four, uh, four, 419, 419. Mm -hmm. and how many days was it on market? What was the process like getting that under contract? So my wife is working with um, a team and she's actually the one that listed it. So we, I guess we would have made another like five to $6,000 on top of that when she sold it because she would have got part, like a percentage of the commission for being part of that team. Um, but yeah, it was super easy. Like for that part, listing it, it was just kind of hands off. I answer some questions. I disclose what I replaced, what I worked on. Like I regraded the yard. There's no water in the basement anymore. Stuff like this. Right. Um, as soon as you do that, they just, it was like, they went, took pictures. They did like a drone flyby, fly through. They did like a virtual walkthrough. And I think usually that only costs like $240, maybe another $70 or something because we tried to turn it in 24 hours just to get it on market. But there was a lot of really great marketing from that team. Um, they also, so it was like, it's list with Libby in Louisville. Um, just like 15 years plus experience made it a real seamless process. Um, a lot of people want to list these things themselves 
and try to save that little bit of money and things. But I just, the headache of it, having to set times to have people come in, everything else, it's just, they've got it all virtual. It's people just go, they set up appointments. I would get a little bing, know when they were going to go by and see it. Um, even the virtual walkthrough was super cool. And it was like, it took the guy six, maybe like four hours or something. And you could just like walk through the space. And it's really intended for a higher price point property because you're looking for out-of-state buyers. And especially with COVID, you're getting a lot of out-of-state buyers who are looking at houses. And you could just walk through on your phone, which is cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I would, yeah, I would just like to save that 3% or 2.5%. I just... For me. Well, yeah, a good realtor is going to bring that value. Absolutely. You know? and, and they list it on the MLS generally. I mean, I know you could pay someone like $400 to list it there, but they just do it in a different way. Yeah, they bring yeah. the value for sure. So, all right. So at the closing, the banks pay back the construction loan. I'm assuming they're happy and they would relend on another deal. Yeah. So they actually, we have a, um, about a year and a half ago, we got a commercial property and I partnered with somebody. We hired a general contractor. I'd hired two general contractors and then just managed their, managed their budget. And we'd actually bought the building, I think for 130,000 and we put maybe 160,000 into that building and we used the same bank. So it was nice to have that going on. And we're about to refinance out from that bank, that bank, they're good for construction loans, but not for like refinances, which is kind of interesting to know that each bank has their own little niche, right? Yeah. So that you can just, so you, you start to create this like formula where like, so yeah, I was happy. They're happy to have their money back. Um, I'm actually going to refinance. We just got approved for um, kind of another refinance. So we bought this uh, building about two years ago, uh, a really good friend of mine in Brooklyn and he does pizza and he's just like, he loves pizza, geeks out on pizza in a good way, you know, just knows every aspect to it and has his own restaurant. And he and his wife, they've really created this great space in Brooklyn. It's called Weeded. And he, they said that eventually they want to move back to Louisville. And I, the space came up on the market and I saw it through, actually my wife had said, oh, this, when she was starting to get into real estate said, oh, this commercial space is on Bartstown Road. Would you be interested in it? And I was like, well, I don't know. No, probably not. It's commercial. And then I thought about it and I was like, <clears throat> yeah, I guess maybe I should call David and we should try to make a deal and make, get this space. So yeah. we were able to put the money together, get the space and um, maintain the same tenant. And it was good for the tenant because he was paying back some of his business loans and things like that. So he would be out in two years and we'd be able to transition in. And that was in December 27th. So the tenant moved out, but then COVID's here and we're kind of like, oh, are we still going to do this? What is that? What does that mean? So I reached out to River City to see if I could get the money to kind of make the building a little bit bigger and turn it into a restaurant. And that just went through. So we just got, they just gave us um, um, about $300,000 that we can work with on that, that building. So definitely the relationship with River City and the particular loan officer that we work with is really great. And it's, it's been nice to be able to turn property over and have them get what they want out of the relationship and then support us with what we are looking for in a bank. So it's been super great. Yeah, that's a great deal. I mean, uh, it's kind of like hard money, but at bank rates, it's a really oh, good relationship yeah, to have. For sure. So when we did the one commercial property, there's uh, it was a bunch of brick, it was like three course brick and needed a bunch of structural stuff. 
when I think we're, we, our construction loan was pre-COVID and it was at six and a half percent. And then when I did the flip on the State Street, I think it was five and a half percent, right? And we we're just two weeks into COVID. So interest rates hadn't really shot down. The interest rate that we're getting on this right now is about four and a half percent or four and a quarter or something like that. So we haven't signed anything yet. We still need the appraisal to go through, but we're right on the, I mean. It'll so, go through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's exciting. So that'll be in the make and it will be really great to have David and Kim out here and my wife too, and see what we can do with this space. And we'll be right. using some of the same things that we've talked about in the past, buying a, a property under value. It was listed at 355, we got it at 280. Um, it was a distressed seller. And now <clears throat> it's appreciating because it's on a, a major thoroughfare of like in Louisville, it's on parts down the road. So, and there's a, uh, a high-end liquor store their bourbon shop going next door with a friend who does like really high end uh, Airbnbs. So it'll be like, he'll be using like, um, I don't know, it's, it's just, it'll be bourbon centric. So it'll be a bunch of like expensive kind of stuff. It'll be complimentary to what we're trying to do. Yeah, that sounds ideal. Yeah, COVID's not ideal, but yes, this is ideal. And we'll see how this plays out. It'll be a fun project. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing all the details on the flip. That's an exciting deal uh, for sure. And look forward to seeing what happens with the pizza shop and uh, this new renovation and where you're going from here. I know there's big deals in on the horizon. So I'm going to follow some of your model, I think, and go with single families for a bit and see how I do with that and give it at least a couple of years as a shot. So I think there'll be some more phone calls, maybe All not right. recorded phone Sounds calls, good. but. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> it's awesome to see what you're doing too, Chad. Really proud of you, man. It's All like, right. I know, I know it just doesn't come together. It takes work. So awesome to see that you're putting it in. Awesome to see that you're following through with it and, and you're excited about it. The continual excitement that you bring to it is like, I don't know how you do it, but it's awesome to see, man. So. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. <laughs> Got to keep hustling. So, <laughs> all right, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the True Wealth Investors podcast. Visit us at truewealthinvestors.com to find archived episodes with show notes and links mentioned in each episode. Be sure to click the subscribe button today and leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to share how the show is helping you along your real estate investing journey.